Welcome to Wizard Team, a Black magical podcast for Black magical stories. Hi, everyone. It's Bayana, Robin, and Portia embarking on a journey through the many fantasy stories written by and about Black people. Today, we are covering Within These Wicked Walls by Lauren Blackwood. Um, mm. First, You're uh, already let's just get it out the way. <laughs> I don't like y'all. Robin has a lot I don't to say. like y'all. And I'm never doing, I'm not doing this anymore because oh y'all were God. all like, this is a Jane Austen retelling. And it's not. No. It's not. He said, it we said, I specifically here. said it was inspired by mm. Jane Eyre. Jane Eyre, not Jane Austen. Sorry. I did mean Jane Eyre. You did say Jane Eyre, but I was told it was a retelling. I did not say, I said it's, I said it's, people say it's a retelling. It's not. The people who are saying this should stop saying that. Yeah. Well, it's inspired. It was marketed as a retelling. It was was marketed as a retelling. Well, but as someone who would have no idea, I was like, cool, I guess it's a retelling. This is literally an arc that I have. And it says here, um... What is it? Fantasy retelling of Jane Eyre. They lie. Yeah. Ethiopian inspired debut fantasy retelling of Jane Eyre. They lie. That's how they marketed as an arc. They marketed as a lie. And (laughs) this is what I'm going to say. Like, point blank, period. I. It it wasn't that, like, I didn't. I didn't enjoy it. I, I didn't. I did. I didn't enjoy it because of who I am and not because of the writing or the story <laughs> and because of the media I listened I read through audio so just the spooky vibes were spooky spooking me and I couldn't I don't know I I mm. but when I think of a retelling I think of like there are these beats that you have to hit from the original story mm-hmm and this is also something that I've noticed in like a lot of the like Jane Austen retelling, especially like Pride and Prejudice, um, or I mean, there I don't see very many persuasion, but like you know, there's a lot of people. Apparently, there's like a there's a Jane Austen and dragons like series on Kindle Unlimited that I'm interested in doing. If I, I mean, you guys have me reading too much, so I don't have time. But like, I know it exists, and I'm interested in it. But my problem with retelling is like, I feel like if you don't hit all of those beats, then it should just be marketed as like inspired, inspired by. Um, and if the story is not telling the full story, it should be inspired by, right? And like, so mm-hmm. within these wicked walls has a character named Rochester and a spooky house. The Wyatt spooky is completely different. The Rochester is like he he's still angsty. He's still angsty. He's he's got like a lot of similarities. A little still rich, he's like, but he's much older. I mean, younger. He's much younger than mm-hmm. this. And then Andromeda is isn't super Jane Eyre-ish to me. Um, 
she's she's got that like oh i'm plain and i'm not beautiful and i come i have a tragic backstory but like personality wise i think she's like much more self possessed than not self possessed because jane is very self but like she's outwardly much more um assertive assertive yeah than jane Eyre, and also like her humor and like, I don't, she's like annoyed by people in a way that Jane Eyre isn't. Like she walks around and she's like, these people are fucking insufferable. Ridiculous. And ridiculous. <laughs> and she's not wrong, but like Jane Eyre, mm-hmm. Jane wasn't like that. Jane was much more like meek. Um. Hmm. Meek is meek the right word. I, meek is the word that I can come up with, so that's the word we'll use. But um, and then it's just it's spooky. It's spooky. There's hands. No, it's absolutely walls. spooky. I'm not saying it's not. And I could also think. I also think that like listening, like the experience in, in which or the medium in which you read it, definitely, or I am assuming would have a factor in that. Like I definitely, in general, like I'm not really a in general, not like a spooky, scary, like horror girl, but I do find it easier to read than to like watch. Um, yeah. So I would imagine that listening would be more difficult than something you're just like reading with your eyes. It's harder to like shut the book and walk away. <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess my thing is I'm a I'm into gothic stories, and so it's hard for me to catch the vibe between gothic when someone is getting creeped out and no not horror because gothic i do although my favorite uh, my favorite version of gothic is horror it's hard for me to like distinct have find a distinction between where i personally would be creeped out and versus where somewhere else someone else would because i just i like gothic stories so things that i just feel like oh this is just like dark it's like dark humor and like dark um setting and like it's like it's actually like making you feel like this is a like lived in gothic experience rather than just like oh it's a gothic house but in name only because like actually everything is sunshine and rainbows like it's like you know what i mean like the difference um so i actually it's so yeah it's it's better for me to hear what creeps people out so I can be like, oh, did I just write that off as being gothic? Or is it literally something that like is creepy and I just read it as gothic because I just love gothic and I ascribe things to it? I'm just confused about like what gothic is then. Because to me, gothic is not just dark. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's like... It's a style. Like gothic horror is the literary style. But like to me, and that just means it's like based off of that gothic time period, and like people like, have fixed it to a time period. But the time period, like Victorian mansions, still exist. You can still do gothic horror set in present day, but it'd be a gothic experience. Yeah, but I guess I, I guess like so my understanding is that like. Gothic as a style is a is like originally just like the architectural style of like the European Middle Ages type of time, and then as like a 
storytelling device. It's like horror stories that take place in those big Gothic style homes and like cathedrals and shit like that. So I think that like it's much, and I know that like in youth, it's much broader than that. But like, I can't think of a story being Gothic or being called or described as Gothic without it being scary. It's like the atmosphere. Like the setting, I guess. So it's light, but it's taking place in a Gothic setting. Yeah. The atmosphere is Gothic. The aesthetic is Gothic. I don't, because I don't even think that Gothic romance can be described as light. Because then to me, that's like Weathering Heights, Mm -hmm. which is not light that's not that there's gothic i because i don't go (laughs) romance too much so when reading this book like in comparisons i would compare it to mexican gothic and slightly beautiful ones by silvio moreno garcia um and mexican gothic has like a big romance element but is veered more on the horror side than it is romance um Isabel Cañas, she did uh, The Hacienda and this year released El, uh, The Vampires of El Norte. Mm-hmm. And The Vampires of El Norte, both of those books, I feel like, so the first book, uh, The Hacienda was like a her debut mm-hmm. and Vampires del Norte is her second book, right? I feel like she heard the like um, critique of the first book, but like it was it was not clear if she was trying to lean more gothic horror or gothic romance so it kind of like you kind of feel like this tussle of like which one are you trying to lean more towards and instead of being horror she leaned romance in vampires of el norte which is fine but marketed as a romance and not as a horror and it was marketed as a horror and so every like all the people like i think like me who were looking for it to be horrific picked it up and was like oh this is a gothic romance see and i think of a gothic romance still has to be creepy and suspenseful and what i'm saying is i totally agree been, i feel like gothic of, romance... like, what you say is horrific and what i say is horrific are like on two different i'm on be different levels level like i don't like any that's what i'm saying explain the creep to but, like explain the creep but for me, gothic romance is like you can you, it spends more time on the romance. Like yeah, but it's not like light. that's the <laughs> it is. It's oh my gosh, like <laughs> vampires of El Norte. Sure, there's these mysterious vampires that chase them, but like you see the vampires like three times. Half the time they're in a like, is she thinking about me? Is he thinking about me? I'm mad at him. I'm sad at her. Like, it's like more on the romance. Like, you're spent more time on the emotions than you do on the actual, like, things they should be scared of in the, like, that's, that was my beef with okay. Vampires of El Norte. So then I, okay, so then I will concede from that definition that this is more of a gothic romance. I still, Slightly. I still, I just... When she was like blessing the rooms and then the hands, I said, "What? What did y'all? What are y'all doing to me? How utter dog dairy!" And then it grabbed her her ankle, and she was like, "The manifestations aren't supposed to be physical." 
And I was like, <laughs> even the best character in scary, she turns into clay or whatever. Or pottery. I don't, I don't, you know what? I mean, look, I did I not, I think we warned you. I think I, like, we were like, but I feel like Bayana was more like, got to the pedal, like, pick it up, just read it. Well, no, I was, I was just, like, I told, I said it was creepy, but I was also like, we, you know. You I like did it. not recommend it to Robin specifically because when I got to the chapter about blood, bloody walls, Ooh! I was like, some people cannot take this book. And one of those people is Robin, and I would not. Can I tell this you that in Jane Eyre, the 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 scene that that correlates most to is in Jane Eyre. Mister Rochester is sleeping, and spoiler for a two hundred something year old book, his wife Bertha is mentally unwell. He keeps her locked in the attic, basically, of this like mansion estate. Um, and she kind of often gets loose and roams the halls in the middle of the night. That's where like the gothic creepiness of Jane Eyre comes in, right? It was like, mm-hmm. is it a ghost? Is it whatever? What is the thing roaming the halls when we're asleep? She sets fire to his bed and Jane wakes up and like help put out the fire. And then Mr. Rochester is like, oh, I must have fallen asleep with the candles on reading or something like that. And Jane's looking around like, mm, that don't seem right, but Okay. So that's what this scene that Portia is talking about like correlates to. But this man is drowning in blood and like the blood is coming out of the walls. Like the house is mm-hmm. like, okay, the bodies of the house, the, the, the Beyonce, like, like she opens the doors and hold up and then the water gushes out yeah. and it is beautiful and Except stylistic. But it's, it's the blood, blood of and he the is people like, that the house has absorbed. Mm-hmm. The house is absorbed from all of the bodies that it has absorbed. And then he is also like kind of paralyzed. So mm-hmm. he's stuck on the bed while the room is filling. And I read that and I was like, I don't, I was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, when I, Finish this book. I'm gonna talk about it in the Discord, but oh, I'm no gonna direct. say like, no. I'm gonna be like, mm, people who are scared. Uh, ah, the thing for you. Is that, like, well, so the thing is, I past- remember being like afraid. Like I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna want to read it. And I remember I, me and you talked about it, Portia, and you had just finished it. And I was like, do you think I could? Because like we we've discussed, I'm a, uh, I am intrigued by horror stories, but I'm also terrified of them, and so. I just like I want to know, but I also don't want to have nightmares. So I was like, "Well, let's give me nightmares." And Porsche was like, "Probably not." And I was like, "Okay, then, then I can it, do it." I, can, I know. So there's different levels. Like me and Robin are not on the same level yeah. for sure. Yeah, like, I have to know I your scare thing. I have I have to know your scare thing, and I'm like. I'm because I'm a wimp. I don't do pain. That's not I don't true. Do it. But I don't. How I don't dare do pain. You call yourself a wimp. I am a wimp. I do not do pain. I really do not. I we we do not see eye to eye. I do not. I am not good for that. I think. Um, yeah, I think. But for I think me that more... I've, I've reached a level of like personal like safety mm-hmm. where scary things that might have scared me before no longer scare me. It's like a weird thing. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's partially the medium 
um like for example like i recently reread dread nation um which has zombies and i notoriously hate zombies but reading that book it's not as bad versus like when i watched that zombie episode of marvel's what if i i was so i was not having oh, a good really? time <laughs> i was that entire not movie good time. i was so mad when i watched that whole episode doctor i was just Dr. like strange no mayhem. i hate this dr strange mayhem of madness and i was like i suffered through that what if i should have known why didn't i I didn't put two and two together. I didn't hate. Yeah, I don't. I don't. And know, I, don't but like, like, I definitely was just like, I hate it here. So, it for me, it's medium. But also, I know for me in particular, I don't really like jump scares, stalker stalkers, like that shit freaks me out. As somebody who like read all of the good Pretty Little Liars before <laughs> she started writing to the show um and even like when i read ace of spades i was like i'm i'm really uncomfortable right now (laughs) i actually really hate this versus like this kind of stuff i think haunted houses i think because in in this case it's a cursed house it's not a haunted house so it's not like there's like a ghost popping out you know what i mean like there aren't jump scares in that way and it doesn't feel like it's not like oh somebody's watching you like that Mm. i think that is why i was like okay i can do the like weird supernatural creepy things that are happening but it's not like oh i'm being stalked through the house you know yeah i guess i can't do any of it my level is that's fair yeah jump scares i can't do i can't even do like i this is where i try to tell people it's like it's not even that like to me i don't actually see much difference between a thriller a suspense and a horror because mm-hmm. anything that is anxiety inducing is horrific to me. I am already, if, if you make, if my shoulders do this, not out of like action. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess it depends on the action, but because even like, you know, if you listen to our, mo- like one of our most recent episodes about Legendborn, when she's like going through that tunnel, like that <laughs> whole scene made me a very uncomfortable, but the whole of the book is more fantasy magic. And so there's that one scene, but that's not, but you know that it's over soon and then it's Mm -hmm. not going to go back there. Whereas like they are stuck in this house and the house, every room is doing something a little bit differently and she has to go cleanse all of these rooms. And then, and also, and as well, like the dude that she's falling in love with has this whole thing and then the people are like, there's just no escaping. I feel like once he was revealed, it got. I think that's when it was less scary to me. When he, like, when obviously he knew this that time, he was this is the second time I've read it, so I already know that reveal. So it's not as scary reading it the second time. When I read it the first time, I felt like it was less scary. And I think for me, it's like, you know, because he's a hyena so it's like were hyena not a werewolf but like uh-huh. <laughs> it gives more like i think once we found that out the, there was less focus on the rooms and like the house yeah. being creepy and it was like she had cleansed most of the house by the time they got to the end too so like it wasn't like those were obstacles um because then it was more just about like cleansing the evil eye and like you know making sure he was no longer turning into a hyena and then that to me was when it felt leaning more fantasy than horror yeah i think for me though so a couple different points one i think the things that i ascribe to like gothic is like because the lot of gothic tales are like set in these old buildings and people are like suspicious of like 
are they up to code or are they good? Like most, if they're like, you know, present day or whatever, there's always a feeling like they're being watched or like something's there to touch you or something like that. So like some of the creepiness, I just like ascribe to like, that's like a general feeling of unsettling uh, whenever you're put into a Gothic setting and that's not your norm. Like that's just a, a, a thing that comes with the, the device that comes with that um, kind of tone of telling. But I also think that the fantasy components for me were like the amulet uh, being like the magic basically of the story, like being the like things that kept the um, evil eye at bay and the evil eye being like potent and all that. Like I thought it was cool that that was like a, the device and I like that it was like there's craft and skill that goes into being able to like wield even that like small amount of magic and it's like accepted to an extent in the world and also not um but i think my i think the thing that uh kept me going in the story um look i love <laughs> i love revenge mm-hmm. um and i've always had a thing for um n- i feel like not enough people utilize the strength of like the physical strength of books as weapons that was the worst our homegirl in the library yeah like she was (laughs) wild and i was like i've never heard of a ghost librarian who uses books as weapons but i f with it because i've always wanted to see someone use books as weapons like that is like that is just amazing to me i love it i thought Um, that was like the least scary cleansing scene mm-hmm. and also the most disturbing because I was if you put in terms of like if I put myself into something and I've I've always kind of enjoyed it it's more like hijinksy or whatever I was enjoying it when when the librarian was being petty and like she would like open a book and it would have and some like threatening threat quote you know circle you know whatever and like I also love the red like, and blood yeah like circling. she like had like opened a you know, open Jane Eyre and, and like had one of those passages. I was like, oh, I see what you're doing there. Um, when they started flying at her face and trying to concuss her, I was like, this is, this isn't nice. <laughs> <laughs> I was this like, this yeah, nervous. I was like, somebody sees the vision. No. The vision like, looks as murder weapons. Yeah. I was yeah. like, I don't, I go to like I go to bookstores a lot. Right, you're like this is not an accurate or a kind representation of librarians, but you know, like, new new fear unlocked. Like, do I have to That's be so uh, afraid of libraries and gothic mansions? Like, is that I refuse at that point. <laughs> no, um, but I yeah. I like the suspense that gets built up in those components. I like the suspense behind like the only the magic of an amulet can protect you. Um, in this uh, place where the evil eye is present and has taken over the owner of this home. And even whenever that owner of the home is not in the room, you can still get got because mm-hmm. that's how prevalent the like evil eye is here. And I, I think I also liked just going into the magic system too. Like I liked that the amulet ha- didn't work. It could only work for so long, but it wasn't like it was broken once it was done it was more like it's gonna need some time to recharge like it's not it's just not gonna work right now um and yeah i just appreciated like that part like that it was there i think it was really interesting too like who decided who wore amulets and who didn't um and how that was largely determined by um 
really culture. honestly like i culture but to an extent like i mean well huh, like white supremacy in some ways right because it's like these white folks coming in like oh this isn't you know like christian meanwhile ethiopia is a largely christian country largely. <laughs> um and has been for a really long time and so just like having that prejudice there and then it you know literally bites them in the ass um <laughs> you can hear her yeah um but yeah i just like i liked all the aspects of that um and just like the ways i mean even still like it was embedded like it's like even learning those skills was embedded in the church you know what i mean so like mm-hmm. um that connection and just showing like the differences in yeah in these cultures but then also in the prejudice towards the ethiopian culture mm-hmm. yeah i mean i so i think that i did like the well i was kind of confused about like the evil eye because it seems like that is something that like runs a little bit rampant here like they're like be um being a deptera is like a, a job it felt like like more like a line was like kind of being a nun or something like that like it, you're aligned to the church but you go out or a missionary i guess or something like that like you're aligned to the church but you're going out and like helping to cleanse these spaces but then like the evil eye is this, like prevalent thing but then he was well i think it was more the evil, evil eye. eye is the is the highest like like the worst thing you could have but there are other lesser okay. like, yeah. curses or things like the that. amulets yeah they make amulets for like even smaller scale like oh, okay kind of so things. that i was like a little bit confused by like because i'm like he was cursed by someone <laughs> so i'm like so like mm-hmm. why are we not just going after the evil people doing these curses um but uh i i did like and i think that. it also is something that can be manifested uh unintentionally as well i think there are a couple Mm. moments where andy is like thinking about like you know jealousy is a way to open yourself up to the evil eye or like you know like those kinds of things like you can be directly cursed but you could also like bring it upon yourself if you're not careful yeah yeah and i so i i did i liked the idea of these kind of curses or and or like hauntings and then um and then the Deptera as like the answer to that um, and thinking just mm-hmm. about like how common, I guess is the right word, how common it is in like this world that um, she's taken us into. Um, I think my, one thing I found was that was like, I thought really realistic is like, so Mr. Rochester tells us basically his father was the one who had the evil eye and then like when he died it was transferred to him but like and and they own a chocolate factory which i think is hilarious um because willy wonka they're like remaking Mm -hmm. or doing a willy wonka so there's all these chocolate factory commercials and i'm like that you would think it would be all fun and games but no um (laughs) but like I felt it was so realistic, the idea that, like, these rich Europeans then decide, 
oh, we're just going to move to Africa while we deal with this curse. <laughs> they were like, oh, Unleash we're cursed. We can't, we can't uh, get let other people get hit by it. Oh, we'll just take it to the Africans. Yeah. They can get hit by it. Mm-hmm. And like, fairly populous like i mean it, they're they're far out like they're kind of remote from the village where it, ta- it takes them a, a, a couple hours so to get far, there so far that it's so weird that they shipped in people from england just to work in the house right you, said yeah. you wanted to keep people from england from being affected by your curse well those aren't real yeah but you know they got their little class yeah. Yeah. yeah those are lower those are servants they don't count um <laughs> yeah so i thought like that was i was like yeah and this in this world in which you can be cursed, this, this rings very true. <laughs> you mm-hmm. have been just, and then like be, um, snobbish to the people who have the the skill and ability to like help you, like and just treat right. them like lesser. But I don't know. I felt I felt like that classism stuff was well done. I was more just like, why am I in it? <laughs> I, I just, I, I, my biggest thing is like, I just wasn't, I wasn't strong enough. I won't, I won't say that I did not like the book because I could, it was well written. It was a, it was a story. I just will never read it again because I was so uncomfortable. That's um, fair. Yeah. Cause we kind of did the, we kind of touched on the world building. Oh, yeah. I did have one thing, it's, and it's a good bridge between the world building and, like, the characters. It's, like, the... I don't know if we... We don't really talk about, like, where... I don't think it's ever, like, explicitly, like, a said, like, where they are. Because there's, like, the town or the city, and then, like, they're further out. Unless mm-hmm. I just don't remember. Um, I don't... No, but, I don't think it's named. Yeah, but I think that, like, one of the things that was really interesting in the in this world is um, in terms of like the Christianity and like the Deptra, it's mm-hmm. how cutthroat and like cruel um, Andromeda's upbringing is. And she's like mm-hmm. raised in the church with like her adoptive father who um, in Jane Eyre, we do get these moments where she gets sent to this like school for like girls and it is very abusive and like the type of Christianity that is like if you're not suffering you're not doing it you're sinning basically like mm. you, you need to like feel all of the sacrifice and feel like in a way that is just not realistic but also like they own is only expected of like lower class poor people um right can be just as godly and holy and untouched by sin doing all like you know eating <laughs> eating full meals like wearing beautiful clothes and gowns right going to concerts and stuff as long as you're doing that with a like rich level of class um then those like sacrifices don't apply to you and so i mean i don't know too much about like the ins and outs of Christianity in Ethiopia. And I don't know um, how much of this was like just choices for 
world building and based on like, I don't know if it was based on like a particular um, branch of Christianity, because there is also, you know, like even now, like you go to like some like Orthodox churches or like very, and you know, they're very strict or like even, you know, the Amish, Amishness is a type of Christianity and they're mm-hmm. like, a lot of it is based off of what you're denying yourself. Um, I felt like that was really interesting and it helped a lot with like the gothic kind of creepy feel of or like kind of like hopeless maybe feel of it. Yeah. Like even when she is kind of realizing that she like likes Magnus um, she's like oh, these are, this is a sin, or, like, Mm -hmm. um, desire is a sin, and, like, the only way to, like, not, and then also, like, to feel this desire will open me up to being, (laughs) like, encourages the evil eye, basically. mm -hmm. I mean, like, um, the evil eye and also just, like, her survival as well. Yeah. Because of the way she was like, because of the way she was raised, like she's taught that these feelings are a danger to her and her survival and like being soft in this world is not something that she can afford yeah. to do. Um, and and empathy is actually like punished out of her. Like, exactly. Literally. Um, like, and I guess like going into then like characters and like going into Andromeda, like I think one of her biggest kind of like arc, like character arc is really her seeing her empathy and um, like as a weakness versus mm-hmm. then or like, you know, as a hindrance to her survival and then find then like towards by the end, she's realizing that that's like actually uh a big part of why she can survive um yeah and just like reframing her perspective about that yeah and i i think that it's like an interesting tack to take about also like not only is my empathy like important to or a, a reason why i'm surviving but also like there's no and I guess optimism too. Oh, yeah, her optimism, but there's also like no shame in in feeling this way. And mm-hmm. like, I guess switching from surviving to thriving, because like there are times when she's like, you know, I've been at, I've been here, and my body's used to, I think that there's that section where she's like, my body's used to three meals a day. How did I get soft so fast? Right, thing? and it's like. by the end it's like no this is it's okay it's okay to eat chocolate Mm -hmm. and enjoy right um here on wizard team it's no surprise that we love books we also love supporting the independent bookstores With our Bookshop affiliate link, you can not only get all the books on your TBR, but you can support indie bookstores and B&C at the same time. 
And if you're not sure what you want, that ain't no problem. Check out our The Plot Thickens list full of recommendations from none other than Portia herself. Head to www.bookshop.org slash shop slash Black Nerds Create to treat your shelves. Treat your shelves. Oh, that's that's nice. That's clever. Oh my goodness. That's clever. I like Andromeda. I think that like the thing I liked a lot about her too was like she was over it immediately yeah um and partially that is like we talked about with like her upbringing and like a lot of empathy and stuff being pushed out of her and like constantly thinking about survival so she like sizes these people up and is like you're annoying me (laughs) you're not gonna help me i'm not gonna like go out of my way for you and like i thought that it was great that she had to always remind herself not to go out of her way you know, because that mm-hmm. showed that it wasn't like a natural inclination. Right. Um, but that she was like immediately like they're annoying, she's mean. <laughs> like, right. Like, Especially around like Kalela and Magnus. It was just like yeah. and Peggy. Just being and like, Peggy. Y'all are terrible. No Peggy yeah. is annoying. You're awful. Yeah. I like that the uh, our author took a like a moment to make sure to clear a uh, clear picture of like all this stuff that was fresh to Andromeda, like having like grown up in Ethiopia during this time period and like what was available and what she could get into when she's introduced to pasta. Like the whole mm. experience to her sensory is just like just like she's just like so completely taken aback by it. She just she feels like it's hard to eat. She doesn't understand how to manage a fork. Um, and like she's like why would you even use that like what does that even do and then when she's having a conversation with Magnus about it she's talking about the fork but he thinks that she no she's talking about the food but he thinks she's talking about the fork and it's like there's like a little bit of like like of like culture clash there mm-hmm. in that kind of discussion because he's also mixed but it's also like a thing where he's not like he didn't get to grow up with his mom so that was interesting I really like that like she like it's like a we get experience with Andromeda the newness of this position that she's put in. And so you kind of get a better understanding of why she's uh, reacting the way that she is to stuff. Because a lot of it is just like fresh information. So her having emotions is something that she's had like tapped out of, of because of how she's grown up with Jimber. Um, and so whenever she starts to have to like involve emotion and stuff she's like resistant to it and i love that that's like again um related to her like overall restrictiveness um like restrictions and emotion and restrictions and like how little money she has so therefore the restrictions and what she's able to experience and all that and i think that also ties into the this time period um of like so many people who especially like working class or class people were put in places where they just were restricted that was just where they were that was their lot in life in society and then they can actually build out more there and i also liked that um part of her journey was like she is hinted like things that get built on are hinted at in the beginning so um there is a moment where she first takes has a dinner with um Kalila and Magnus and Kalila takes a moment it's kind of like a 
the mean girls like tell him that he looks hot with his sexy with his right hair with his hair pushed back. Tommy looks sexy with his hair pushed back. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. And uh, Magnus is like talking about like attraction, and uh, and Kalila's like yeah talking about like how she finds like Magnus attractive and. Magnus is like, oh, like, do you not find me attractive? And he's like offended. <laughs> and uh, Andromeda's like, yeah, no, I don't find you attractive, but I, I do find like this skill that you're doing. Like, I find that this, like, as you craft this work, that that's like a, an attractive feature of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, and it comes back again um, when you see her later on in the book. Um, she when she talks up about like the one good thing that she can think about when it comes to her father figure, Jimber is that he is really good at his work. That's the one place where she could relate to him at was his work. Mm-hmm. And so you can see how her emotional, it's like she was not allowed to have emotions growing up with Jimber, but she was able to build a level of admiration and emotional tie anyways through the labor. And that's how she associates with other people first. Like her initial reaction is going to be, and finding a connection to you and the skill or um, something related to your skill set or ability that she can draw a connection to. Mm-hmm. So I like that that was like a character trait of hers that like we see get built up on and the Arthur does a really author really does a good job of like maintaining that as a point of her character development. Yeah, I think an, uh, another thing about Andromeda and her relationship to these people too is like with Jimber it's like I she acknowledges that like he did not treat her with love or the care that she wanted but she also loves him and wants to care for him and is not um and feels connected to him and tied to him and then um with Magnus, she's like, he is spoiled. He does all this stuff. I don't want to care for him. And yet I find myself kind of pulled to him and like, um, I think that it's a very interesting way of like always kind of seeing, connecting like her background and how she grew up with like how she connects with these people. like Kalella is definitely much more of an antagonist to her and she still um you know she recognizes that she's being like disrespected by her and like that a lot of it is coming from like Kalella's feelings about Magnus and all of this stuff but then she still um when like the big um climax happened in the book is still like wishing her the best and wanting her and i think it comes it goes into her optimism but also like and i think jimber like says this at one point too it's like he keeps trying to beat out like her empathy and humanity and it's just so like natural to her and she's also trying to beat it out of herself um and scolding herself for it um my favorite part of that is when she is trying to cleanse or like get rid of the evil eye with Magnus and she <laughs> beats up Saba or like Saba um is another character who like is clay pottery. Um and she's like apologizing while also like scaring her. <laughs> it's like 
because she still, you know, Thaba's treated her with kindness and, you know, all the stuff, but like Thaba's also tied to the thing that she needs to cleanse. So, um, I don't know. I think that made Andromeda really interesting to me. Through Even through all of the like terrifying moments, I was still like, you're interested in her character and, and her thought process and how she was. I, I was happy to see it through her eyes, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what about Magnus? Magnus is such a spoiled like uh, like yeah. spoiled <laughs> spoiled, yeah, like rich person stereotype. Like he just and it's like woe is me, angsty. Oh, that was gonna say the comparison to him I would like to make it's because it's like, yes, the rich part has a part of it, but sidebar, this character does not have the the he's not rich. Um, but the werewolf character from the, for, I don't remember when they changed cast members, uh, being human UK, when that werewolf guy is so angsty and so sad and so like, he's like a good person, but he just keeps getting, you know, life just runs rough on him. Mm-hmm. That's the vibe that Magnus gave me. Yeah. Like the werewolf from uh, Being Human UK. If anyone <laughs> has watched that, it is <laughs> yeah. it is just so yeah. He's also I will like, say that very... that is the uh, I was gonna say that is he is the most Jane Eyre like one to one character where I was like, yep. Mm. Yep, this is <laughs> Mr. Rochester throwing temper tantrums. <laughs> right. Yeah, I felt like he, well, I guess like a big theme, I think, in this story, and I think it's most prevalent through Magnus and Andromeda and like their relationship is the like loneliness and not having and like lack of affection. Um, They both have that from different angles and like it manifests in them both in very different ways. And like for Magnus, I think also he doesn't really have a lot of friends like he mentions like when he was before he was cursed like he was living in england but none of them people wanted like in his you know class bracket or whatever were messing with him because he's black right um and even and then now he is cursed and he has to stay in this house he only has his servants he has like two friends and one of them is his lawyer and the other is the lawyer's sister so it's like he doesn't have like real connections that he's social made interaction. um and yeah. yeah not a lot of social interaction so like andy kind of like fascinates him because she just says and also you know he's rich so people don't tell him the truth um yeah and so she's just saying like outright like you're a ridiculous human Rude. being and he's like wow am i that's crazy this is brand new information and he doesn't and he's and like he's... genuinely shocked that like and yeah he's like but also he's like entertained by it he's yeah. like amused like oh he's like tell me more like, about oh, how i'm a horrible right. person please <laughs> i think it's like, also it's like very, he's very like genuine he's kind of like a puppy dog um yeah he's, he's very he's, some, like... he's very bite bark is worse than bite type of thing but definitely can bark and bite um i think that magnus to me too is like i like that they aged him down because i will say like in jane Eyre, one of the things i dislike about mr rochester is and a he's grown rich man throwing temper tantrums. and like yeah but he's like a grown man throwing temper tantrums but he's also like 
make, making these like elaborate tricks, playing these elaborate tricks that only kind of serve him. Um, can't decide whether he wants to be nice, sweet, or mean, like to the people in his um, care, uh, children included. And I think that aging him down some and also making it so that the loneliness is like no longer killing him <laughs> but also like his loneliness I... is like understandable right like you yeah not that mr rochester is like isolation and the original jane Eyre isn't i mean it's kind of understandable but still it's like you did this to yourself um and you're a grown-ass man um but like you know if you look someone in the eye and they're not wearing the amulet then they disappear mm-hmm. slash he kills them and um the only person before andromeda gets there who is like the closest person to him and the best um his best friend basically is a extension of this curse um is his dead mother his dead mother um, yeah come back to fake life as uh, a statue version of herself of her teenage murdered by his yep. father yeah stuck at the same time she was murdered by his father mm-hmm. like so messed up i think the i another thing i wanted to note about magnus oh hopefully i don't lose i didn't lose it just now um was how much of a like he like how he was able to like get that like whole like get it comes across pretty clearly that him being cut off from people's affection has like made him like want it even more and like you know like really be looking for it um and as you were saying like like a clear difference between how um andromeda is like loneliness uh manifest where jimber showed her to push away from um like touch and feeling Mm -hmm. and so she actively is pushing away from affection um and i i always am in a weird place whenever there's a character that's more physically affectionate than the other is and initiates physical things without um actually like actively asking for consent in the moment or whatever like Mm -hmm. saying it um but i think their first kiss was her right yeah she initiated initiated it it. Mm -hmm. so it was really good i i liked that that was like their meeting point like or whatever like but it's just hard though too because he's so affection like heavy that it's like at what point do you know if she's like not being overwhelmed and i think Mm -hmm. that jimber when she talks to jimber she he says something to her uh, in the way of like um like i feel bad like part of me feels bad that i let you get away from here without showing you affection so that you were so star starved for it that the first person who said something affectionate to you you're into it mm-hmm. or you're like so devoted to them yeah. yeah um and especially like magnus is also clueless as hell as well and so like that yeah and so like it's a kind of it's kind of a huge flaw it's also the like crux of their um <laughs> you know besides the whole evil eye wear hyena of it all like it's the crux of their like main conflict of the fact that like he not is he's not engaged to Kalela, but he has there is a verbal agreement 
and Kalayla is clearly like romantically interested in him and he's just kind of like la-di-da this is fine like I'm actually (laughs) with Andromeda now and I'm not gonna (laughs) mention anything about it and then when she brings it up I'm like not understanding why it's a bad why it's a big deal and um, then it takes her split, breaking it off with me and then telling me why it was bad that I did, like, I felt that way initially. It was like, what is wrong with you? He's, but he's a spoiled child. Not, he, yeah, that's what not, I mean. He's like, he's spoiled and he's like, he, again, people don't tell him the truth. They literally are just like, yeah, it's fine. So, like, yeah. it's just, yeah, it's one of those things that, again, not like an excuse for that because it wasn't cool, but, um, Again, it's like some of the things that are, in some instances, like, you know, have him do cool, interesting things or like sweet things. Then on the flip side, it's like, no, that was really careless. Yeah. I just wanted to note for Magnus that I did not like, but I don't know. I was an interesting kind of vibe for how he, I don't think that he actually was clueless enough to not think that he was behind people's disappearances, even whenever he woke up not fully having a memory of what he'd done the night before as a hyena. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like he knows, like, he knows he's responsible and that he's carrying the evil eye and that's a thing that's getting rid of people around him. But I feel like there's too much, de- he's, like, way too depressed and, like, um, like, thoughtful towards, like, feeling abandoned to not know that he actively is playing a part in these people's disappearance. I think he, uh, I mean, he he does when he mentions like, he's like, when I look them in the eye, then they disappear. And I think that he, because part one is part of the thing is like when he, after all that, when he goes to sleep, when he wakes up, he's forgotten what happened. Like he's not yeah. like, like it immediately is wiped from his brain. So I think that he's very much like, at least in the beginning and like by the end he's definitely aware of like knows what's going yeah, on but like yeah, yeah and that he's like killing them but at first he it's one of those i'm sure it's one of those things where like at the beginning he was like oh they're just disappearing like that's weird what's going on and then the, like as slowly you know you start but to pick up been, on patterns and you're like years. wait that's what i'm saying like as and i'm saying the, at the beginning of the time and then as is going on oh. like, before andy gets there yeah he's like kind of starting to put two and two together but also like what can you do about that right like it's not like yeah he I, is the I, he knows he that they curse yeah and i think and he, he also knows, knows they disappear but he doesn't necessarily know they're dead he was and i think when he when she tells him he he's like i i was just hoping that 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 they actually disappeared i think like that's like the part about saba like <laughs> moving things around and stuff it's like the whole house is weird. The whole house is like the curse. And so he's like, more than likely I'm killing these people, but I have this, like, there's a chance that I'm not. And I'm just going to like live in that chance that they are actually just disappearing and like leaving. But then it's also interesting um, because that feeds into, he has like fear of ab- abandonment, right? So like, yeah, he's also, it's like, but even still it's best case scenario to have to be like, okay, well they left me. <laughs> and you know deal with that um versus i killed them yeah man and he also he like and i think that's one of the like things too if we go into like peggy for example that mm-hmm. is like really in um shows how like kind of immature magnus is but also um 
the like arrogance of like these European like like I mean you're living in a you're living in a house that is undeniably cursed. There like you cannot pretend like the stuff isn't happening. Um your boss is wearing bells and like has right. ruled you do so not So you can hear him coming. So you can hear him coming so that you do not make eye contact, so you don't look him in the eye. But you draw the line at wearing an amulet and like he makes these rules, but he like doesn't believe that he has any like actual control. Like when Andromeda's like, why don't you just make a rule that they have to wear the ambulance? He's like, they won't do it. And it's like, you pay the salary, like, you know what I mean? Like, or they're sticking around, so they do feel something for you, because I don't, I don't care. Like, there's not enough salary in the world. And we see that with Tom and um Emma in particular. Emma Tom is like, we can wait it out a little more, and Emma's yeah. like, Yeah. Emma's like, let's go. Like, this is we've done, we've we've done it. Like, I've seen it, I have seen, seen enough. Quite enough. Like, this chimney is all I need. All I'm, yeah, and it's like Out. at this point, like I, I'd rather go be a servant in England away from this like danger, mm-hmm. than try to like stick it out and then be able to like live lavish. Like I don't understand either. Like I, I don't know. It's like his Magnus is mostly a good person, so I don't know why I... Tom, but they feel some sort of like. I think they were also trying to get enough money yeah. to yeah. be he able pays to move well. back. Apparently he pays well. Yeah. So right. He's throwing That's... his money around. He's like, here, So they're trying want... to save up. Yeah. And I, what I got from Emma and Tom was that they were trying to, like, stay and, like, hoard the money, not only to move back, but to, like, set themselves up so they're not yeah. in service anymore. Like, not mm-hmm. that they would never have to work again, but they're not going to be, like, mm-hmm. in someone's home fine but then wear the amulet like and don't wear right. hairs what peggy said like i don't know and so it was just like so weird to me that level of like arrogance um that was shown by like the household staff and then magnus it like just like kind of reaffirmed magnus's like bratty helplessness because like just make them wear them like that i don't know mm-hmm. you, you're I like making it worse that, <laughs> yeah i like that the like because this is a, like i think it, this book does a lot to be subversive of like the tropes of like uh, gothic horror set in this time period that was written in the time period where africa is like the dark heart of like mm-hmm. um of danger and exoticism and all that stuff and so I feel like um, this book subverts that by making the danger something that the white men brought, which is mm-hmm. all it's true. Um, and it's being like the people who are being affected by it the most are the people who uh, are the ones who are the most resistant to embracing the culture where they live in the continent. So it's on them. So I liked that that was a component of the story for those characters. Um I'm glad the homie got away. I'm glad she was like, nah, I see sense. And y'all, I, I was lingering because this man told me that we need to save up some more money. But, but I, you know what? It's not worth gone, it. I'm, I'm gone. good. I, we're out. 
I love that scene when she's like trying to convince Tom to go, like, let's go. Like the, the last guy disappeared, like, let's be out. And then um, Andromeda comes to ask her a ride into town. And she's like, oh, she out, we out. <laughs> she right. She's, she's like, like, cool, I'm gonna come with you. And then she was like, oh, you just want to go to town? Well, let's go. Cause I gotta go. Like I can't, I cannot mm-hmm. be in this, in this house any longer. I'm like, yes. I'm mad that Peggy I'm mad that Peggy tried to take Emma's like um agency away from her like describing um Emma leaving on like uh, Andromeda when it was like bro she been wanting to be out (laughs) and then whenever she came back um she was like you took her I know you bespelled her or whatever um and you didn't send word of where you were and I'm like that's another thing that I'm like, uh, this lady has been in this house for so long. Cause seen many servants come and go. Mm-hmm. She has seen this furniture and stuff move around on its own. Cause nobody can see Saba besides Andy and aunt Magnus. Mm-hmm. So she just thinks she's living in a haunted house where things just float around willy nilly. Um, I, who knows if she's actually peered behind to see if it was covering anything at all. I think I wouldn't put it past her to have seen it. But I thought Peggy was an interesting character in that way. And I feel funny about SJ, who is clearly a black man, ascribing like Peggy's cooking to Pe- like it was Saba's cooking, but he was describing it to Peggy. And I was like, why would you think that this Peggy white lady made that from England knew how to make a whole Ethiopian spread? Come on. Like, sir, what are you talking Be about? Be serious. Be serious. I think it also, I don't know that necessarily Saba wasn't visible it felt like uh like uh for lack of a better you know doctor who we're just gonna say it like a perception filter type thing where like if you saw her if you like let yourself see her then you saw her um versus like but also just like walking by you know what i mean yeah i guess it's a perception filter type of thing because i'm thinking like they saw her as like human um but didn't see her as like supernatural or, or pottery or whatever but then like andromeda didn't see her as that until they, she yeah. was like a naturally strong and yeah so she didn't even know so i think she yeah. ripped her arm off or something and she, got cut. yeah she was like uh i'm holding why am i still holding your arm mm-hmm. um yeah that part i mean speaking scary. of speaking of saba um just in general, like, I really liked her. She was my favorite she was, character. Yeah. She was so sweet. And, like, also, like, literally, like, you can, once you, once, like, the reveal of her, like, being uh, Magnus's mom. Mother. It just kind of, like, puts, it's a whole new, like, perspective on the situation, I guess. Yeah, I thought like um, more the reveal of her relationship with Jimber was really Mm. like put a good perspective on it too because like I felt like she um, her story is very sad right and like she's killed by her husband but you don't really get the sense of like scale of that or like when she um, well, it sounds like he was cursed. I don't know that Saba was actually his wife, though, because I think it says oh. at the beginning that he was cursed by his wife. Um, but Saba was the first kill, like of the curse. 
Oh. And then becomes like the guardian of the house and like the like or the servant, I guess, of the evil eye. Oh. Okay, I didn't get that. But the but Magnus is her son. And that's mm-hmm. just like the weird servant owner dynamic, maybe. Well, yeah, that's kind of what I was gleaning. Okay. I don't know that it's like hundred percent clear, but I got the sense that like from Jimber at least, like she left to go be with this rich man and then kind of like could have been that too. I yeah. In Jimber's eyes kind of like reap what she sowed type of thing. Whereas, you know, you don't know why people do anything, but the way in which they talk about this town, like survival, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> she was like made a choice to survive. And then it ends up being, you know, like the choice that kills her, but she still is not only tied to this house, um, and she looks young, right? She's mm-hmm. like her younger self, but she feels I don't know if motherly to Magnus is the right word. She's tied to Magnus because she's tied to the curse, but like you she know, she takes time him. out to like she cares for him and like, you know He um, often calls her his friend. His, yeah. Like he knows and that's like, his mom, but I think their relationship is different, I think in part because she's so young or seems so young yeah and she's like you know like taking time to have like snowball fights and Mm -hmm. um she just tries to i think make his life better in the ways in which she can control knowing that she can't control everything and so Mm -hmm. even with like andromeda like wanting to leave and she's like trying in her own way to be like you can't leave him um and then when you know watching over her because she knows that magnus is like cares for andromeda and stuff and so i think that like she was like just a really good character but i also um felt conflicted because you know like as soon as, and they say kind of, as soon as we find out that reveal, like as, as soon as Andromeda saves him from the curse or cures his curse, then she's going to go away. Mm-hmm. I liked that. I mean, I think that given that both of the, uh, goodness, I guess <laughs> it's just that I keep thinking about how many stories that I get drawn to that I have orphans as the protagonist or lead characters. Um, but given that both uh, Magnus and Andromeda are like orphans uh, to the greater extent, um, I think that this gives it even more like twisted, tragic fate of that to Magnus. So like his eccentricities um, are like, like they make sense because it's like bro he has grown up with someone who looks like a teenage girl that he knows is his mother um and has recently been settled with a curse where he like sees her all the time but no one else can see her um and it's like it's just like so many things that are pulling on him that i think that like for saba like character is just like the fact that she's able to help him 
like maintain mm-hmm. a level of sanity and she's doing her best to do that and he's like going through all that it was like really cool i like that she how kind like and un- like unerringly kind like even as she's forced to do the bidding of the curse is like like you know responding reluctantly to andromeda when she's trying to be like you don't have to do it you don't have to do it and she's like i gotta do it bro mm-hmm. i i wish i could i wish i could not um and i love that i love that that was like a whole thing i love that they had a moment of like there's something very heartwarming about another black person caring for another black person's hair mm-hmm. without having been asked to do it or commissioned to do it literally just doing it yeah. like that's a that is a labor of love to take care of someone else's hair um without being paid or expected to do so like that is just like so i when that part came in i was like oh it's so, it was so sweet yeah yeah um i also this is more of a question because as y'all know i did not read jade read jane Eyre, and i shan't um and i read a different not really retelling but inspiration and i shan't read that ever again either um but <laughs> i was wondering or it kind of felt to me like Saba was, is her name Bertha? The one who was in the, uh, the attic? Like, part of me wonders if that was what it was. It was like Magnus's dad was Rochester and Saba was the one who was kind of like held captive um, mm-hmm. and like hidden in the house in that way. Um, yeah. That's kind of what it felt like, but I was curious what y'all thought mm-hmm. about that. I haven't read Jane Eyre in such a long time. Like, it's been a long time. Uh, but, like, that's... The allegory seems, like, similar to me. I'm not sure, because I think... I feel like with... Um, Bertha, and I think this is a... flaw of... Uh, Bronte's writing like Bertha is such a like a kind of a one-dimensional character um she's just like this crazy foreign woman um and Saba definitely has more depth and more like humanity and you get to see more um of who she is outside of one person's perspective or like one one um moment or moment in time kind of and so i think that in that way they're a little bit different i do think the kind of like invisible pushed aside um silent victim kind of mm-hmm. is a good parallel but yeah i think there's a little bit more depth to saba than you ever get with Bertha. Unless I guess you read the white Sargasso scene, whatever. Anne's favorite book. Hate that book. Um which book? White Sargasso Sea. It's, it's trash. Like, I have not heard of it. It's like a Jane Eyre. It's supposed to be or? a it, yeah, it's supposed to be a re like a, you know, meditation on Bertha and like trying to humanize her but then in doing it it's mad racist to everyone else involved so it's it's yeah I had to read it in college and I was like I hate it here what was the need for the racism 
I don't know. White woman. White people be racist sometimes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it wasn't like a contemporary. I can't remember when it was written. I can double. I can. Yeah, it was. It, it wasn't like it's, it's not it's a not contemporary. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it definitely didn't help from her the be 60, like, I want to read Jane Yeah, <laughs> yeah 1966. She was like, Robin, I have to read this book for class, and I will never read that funky book you be talking about. <laughs> I don't need no parts. Wasn't interested before, but will never pick it up. <laughs> if this is the, the correction. Oh, my God. Yes. Literally, that's why I was, I was like, this is supposed to be the, y'all trying to fix something? This is the fix? No, thank you. I picked up uh, Bloody Chamber by, what's her face? Oh, Angela Carter. And I know she's a white lady, British, and writing in the 60s. But there were some things in there I'm like, so she was writing like historical, like like fairy tale retellings um, that were set like in like earlier time periods than where she actually lived. And so it's like, cool, like, sure, fine. And then like, but then she like, use like expressions that may have been around in those time periods but were not necessary to use in 1966 mm-hmm. when she was writing it and i was just like, mm, just like I, don't, I just what was the reason what yeah. if we didn't you know so let's talk about jimber jimber was such a weird character because it was like i hate you man and then you get a little bit of uh context and you're like still hate you man like <laughs> magnus was uh, was wrong though like i'm like magnus is not your place yeah like, magnus was yeah. wild but like to be that like that's more about magnus is like immaturity and like temper tantrums mm-hmm. and like entitlement than it did about jimber but like mm-hmm. i did like the um when we actually get to like hear from jimber and it's like he's he should have never taken her in. He did not have the range. But like that um, idea of I tried my best to do this thing. So, And it's, a, it's an interesting thing because like he was absolutely abusive to her. Mm-hmm. He also did save her from, you know, being life as a sex worker right at the age of five minor right yeah (laughs) um and so the you know there is the like nuance there there is also the part of like him not being able to um physically touch people because of Mm -hmm. his run-in with the evil eye um and so and then also you know his his pain and stuff about being like because he and saba had a relationship and saba left him and then died don't know exactly how much time happened between them but then she died and also became a servant of a different evil eye so like it's not like again it's like context not necessarily excuses um but i think that it also helps andy in the sense of like and this kind of brings it back to like the prevalence of like christianity in this book is also like her own it feels like his character is more for her to like forgive him versus like to redeem him. Yeah. Um, and that also to give her a sense of like, this is what happens when you prescribe to that like sacrifice, sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Like, this is who you become kind of thing um, as well. So he was definitely like a more of a plot device. I guess, but like 
also. Bruh, take her from the brothel and then drop her off. I don't know. Like, but he said he. I think he mentions like, that he, he tried to go to orphanages and she to, would run she, back home. Yeah. She'd run back home to him. And he, and then she happened to be like good at amulets or not amulets. Yeah. Yeah, amulets. Um, but yeah. but it was funny. I think. I liked that. Uh, so I like all stories that have no spare parts. Like he could have easily been a drop off character that she just mentioned and like mm-hmm. never really had to interact with within the actual timeline of the story. And that would have been fine. Um, and I love that. Uh, but I always love whenever um, it doesn't pin, doesn't care. I don't care what medium it is or whatever. It could be a TV show, it could be a podcast, it could be whatever. If you drop off, uh, like I guess it's, I guess it's Chekhov's gun. If you have a gun, like it should like go off at some point in the story and not every character is a Chekhov's gun not every aspect of a person's story is like you know that thing but whenever things wrap up completely then it does kind of feel like a wholeness to the story that you don't really get with every story mm-hmm. and I like that for Jimber's character um like the, his redemption is not really a full redemption it's just like her being able to give him the flowers that she can give him um, before his time, uh, like before he's gone, um, and I appreciate that she's able to like make that kind of closure. Yeah, um, and it's really for herself and not for him at for all. Herself, which is like, not yeah, for, yeah, yeah. But he, I think he's to an extent, he is resistant to needing any like affirmation because he's kind of willed himself to think that he doesn't need it mm-hmm. um, because he's been able to live life long enough without it, so he therefore does not need it. Um, and I think that it was cool that he was saying that, like, she was the reason that he had to continue to live. And they mentioned that the other three Dateras who were able to get rid of hyenas ended up killing themselves. And he was the fourth. Um, and he, whenever she brings that up, he says, like, uh, yeah, I had a reason. You were my reason to not um, yeah, give up. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that was like a, a recognition that they all they both needed. They both needed, needed to come to other. terms of like they needed each other, and yeah. they know that each other needed each other. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think we already talked about these other folks. So, any final thoughts on the book that we haven't covered yet? Just that I I do think. I don't want people to think that I didn't find the book interesting. Um, but like, Choose you know, scared. don't let your friends talk you into something. Peer pressure is real. Stand up for yourself. <laughs> don't just do things for content, for content's sake. And read more books so that you can have a counter. If someone says, hey, let's read this thing called Within These Wicked Walls, you can say, how about? Instead, it's not like you're having a whole season on something you didn't like, <clears throat> Cursed Child. Um, this so we <laughs> did, we did do that. Um, okay, tight. Then MVPs, I made Andromeda my MVP. Um, because I liked her character journey. I think that 
the main thing that I pulled from this story was that like it was about a group of people who are conflicted about how to show love um, after they've gone through circumstances that have shown them that life and love can be liabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that she was a perfect personification of like going through that character journey that like like love is actually worth the extra fight behind it to keep it. Um, and I enjoyed that. And I enjoyed that like it even in the spooky and or confusion sections like where she was confused um she never lost her like i'm going to figure it out i'm going to retreat but i'm going to figure it out and then i'm going to come back i'm attack it and i'm gonna do it um and i appreciated that in a main character um i gave my mvp to saba i think that like her being just a very good caretaker and like the all of the moments of like levity and sweetness that i needed they came at like the right time. I don't even know if they came at the right time, but they were just like really helpful to help me get through the book. She was an integral part in, she was also an integral part in some of the scary moments as well. But like, even then she was just a very sweet character and I just wanted the best for her. And um, even though it was like a tragic story or tragic, um, yeah, story, she made, she, she made the best of it. She made, Lemonade out of lemons. Yes, she did. Um, I too uh wanna MVP Saba Saba for like some of the same reasons. Um I like that yeah, like Andy was able to have a friend there, um, even separate from like Magnus and just like show like just you know, how how she was looking out for everyone, even while also having to like succumb to the um evil eye right like she she was trying her hardest to be helpful in in expelling it um and she also just was like kind and also like sly and it never felt like she had all she had given up hope either like she was very much like an encouragement to everyone so like that as well Um, how about benched? I had to bench Magnus' daddy because, like, yeah. don't do things that end up not only giving you the evil eye, but then your son. And Jeez. then he had himself murdered, so it would get passed off of him on so suicide. Could, like, right. he purposefully, he purposefully yeah, passed it on. He was like, out. "Oh, I don't want to do this I'm anymore." This. He's like, "Hot potato, not me, not <laughs> yeah. it." Literally trash. You know, take accountability, man. I benched Andromeda's parents because they are about also, to take a five-year-old yep. to, and I just can't. So yep. Yep. they get a perma bench for that. I just, that's trash. Yeah. That's very real. And they didn't care enough to figure out where she went afterwards either. Cause where'd they be? Right. Cause she got kidnapped by Jimber out of the brothel and mm-hmm. they weren't concerned about that. They're like, well, she's out Not of our problem. Hand. Some people don't deserve children. This is true. This is very true. And with that, thank you for listening. (laughs) Join us next week when we finish our reading of Legendborn with chapters 57 and 58. Wizard Team is a part of the Black Nerds Create Collective. If you want to keep up with our content, you can 
Check out our website at blacknerdscreate.com. Follow us on Instagram and Tumblr at Wizard Team Pod and at Black Nerds Create. Also follow our TikTok at Black Nerds Create. Not a TikTok. Not <laughs> TikTok. Stop headbutting me. I'm sending the dogs. <laughs>